Welcome back to Ravens Recap. We've got an exciting game coming up against the Jaguars, a game that we all expect the Ravens to be able to win, but I think it's important we don't look too far past this team because every game is must win, and in the NFL, anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about it before we went on air. Uh, the Jaguars have only won one game on the season. That was week one when they beat Indianapolis by just seven points and proceeded to, to uh, lose a lot of games. But uh, since their bye week in week eight, they lost to the Texans by two, to the Packers by four, to the Browns by two, and they needed overtime before the Vikings were able to beat them. So this team could put up a fight. Like the Ravens have the talent to beat this team handily. So the Ravens should win, but certainly not a team that the Ravens can can overlook. With the Jaguars, there's really not too many storylines from a player perspective to look at. Defense, these guys are really bad against the run, so expect the Ravens to do a lot of running on Sunday. <laughs> and then on offense, Gardner Minshew really has been in and out of the lineup. He's been okay this year. Uh, hasn't really connected with DJ Chark much. Really, the only th- uh, note of interest on this team is uh, James Robinson putting together a historic year for uh, undrafted rookie running back. I'm pretty sure he broke the record for most rush yards by an undrafted rookie running back in a rookie season against Tennessee over the weekend. But yeah, not not terribly much to look at here with a huge amount of interest. <laughs> right. It's unfortunate because uh, I know I, I, I kind of like Minshew coming out of last year. I, I thought he did a, a pretty decent job. I mean, for a late round pick, I mean, especially a quarterback, like there's only so much expectations I think that are put on a player like that, but I thought he did pretty good. He was kind of like a, a, a good game manager and seemed like a guy that the team could really rally around. And it's just unfortunate this year. I, I kind I kind of feel like in the beginning it was kind of a continuation of that, but then uh, I think he had, he had what a thumb injury, I believe, and so he's been kind of out. And uh, the Jags have kind of had to struggle to, to try and figure out what quarterback they're going to play. So. Uh, with a franchise like the Jags, it's really unfortunate for a player like that because, you know, I mean, they're going to be in, you know, the top three in terms of the NFL draft next year. So you'd have to think that they're probably going to go out and pick a quarterback and, you know, Minshew will probably be another forgotten player. But it's unfortunate, man. I really liked uh, Minshew mania. I was all about that last year. <laughs> so I still find it wild. It feels like forever ago when we were at that game. And we saw Minshew for the first time. It was his first preseason game. And I just remember Peter being like, Minshew, <laughs> and stuff like that. That's right. Hey, it was it was a dynamic duo of Minshew and Magoo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, how the money had fallen, how the uh, Fu Manchu laid in. Uh, <laughs> um, Garner Minshew has fallen. I will say, uh, you're right, Peter. I didn't know this. And uh, James Robinson, a fantasy savior for many, including myself, who had CMC ride the pine most of the year. Uh, he broke the record with 1,361 yards from scrimmage. And it's only been 13 games. That's that's remarkable. Like, he's one of the top running backs in the game. And while I think he's a good running back, I don't think there's anything necessarily super special about him. So he doesn't scare me, but it is one of their main weapons on offense. Yeah, he reminds me of Gus Edwards a little bit. Just like you said, nothing super flashy about him, but incredibly efficient with the ball and his his touches. It's kind of crazy how a franchise like that can go from, you know, what was it, number four overall pick, Leonard Fournette, for a couple of years. And, 
you know, they spent this insane amount of draft capital to get this running back who was all right. Definitely probably not what they, you know, what a lot of Jags fans were expecting from the four overall pick. But, uh, you know, they went from him right to undrafted rookie James Robinson. And, uh, you know, from a draft value perspective, you got to be salivating at that and be like, oh, man, look at we just got. But, you know, it's a. Uh, sad for the franchise at least that you know uh, even though they have this really great player it really hasn't translated to to any more wins on the field another guy i think the Ravens need to pay attention to because we know he's still good he just kind of fallen off the face of the universe is dj shark he's still a great wide receiver uh there was actually talks about him becoming a raven at one point (laughs) which was kind of salivating and uh yeah i think he's somebody to look out for and also of course lavisca chenault my darling going into the draft one of the people I really loved. He's had some interesting success uh, and all over the field, somewhat as a gadget player, but also just as a receiver and occasionally getting running plays. So you could see him firing up LaVisca if he's healthy, which he's had some injuries that he's been battling this year. He could also pose a little bit of a threat to our defense. Yeah, I mean, both these guys are, are playmakers, certainly. And yeah, with the Ravens secondary beat up, as we'll talk about, it's something that, I, I could see it possible that these guys could connect on a big play or two to maybe give Ravens fans a little bit of an unsettling feeling that maybe uh, there's some life in this team. But it's really going to come down to Minshew. And like we said, he's suffered through some injuries this year. So you're not going to get him at 100% strength, presumably. And even him at 100% strength in this offense as isn't still, you know, a Pro Bowl worthy uh, adversary, but you know we'll we'll see how this game goes. Hopefully, this will be a game where the Ravens can uh, not have to worry about the final score outcome. Just be a game where the Ravens are always in control and can work on some of the warts that this team needs to work through, as we'll get to, uh, in order to have success at the end of the year. Yeah, talking about some of those warts, I think the. <sighs> The biggest thing for me seeing in this game is that the Ravens really need to figure out some more answers on defense. Like you said, Peter, you know, injuries at secondary have definitely hurt. We're hoping that Jimmy Smith might make it back, but even if he doesn't, honestly, Anthony Averett getting him back would be huge. Uh, he was out for five weeks with that shoulder injury and uh, suffered an unju- another injury last week against the Cowboys. So we're hoping that at least that he's going to be back because, you know, he has experience in the system. He's fairly young. Tremont Williams and and uh, Devontae Harris and, and Pierre Desir, like, you know, they may be able to play in spot situations, but honestly, I wouldn't rely on them too much. But, you know, whoever the guys are that they're going to be trotting out there, they need to figure something out because, you know, despite having Marlon Humphrey and, and Marcus Peters, who, you know, all pros last year, it's just not enough, you know. They can get picked on because they have to, you know, put more responsibility on their shoulders. And you know, whoever's playing that third cornerback spot is ultimately going to get picked on the most. So yeah, it's just uh, that's kind of the biggest thing for me. The, the other thing too is that some of the other guys in the secondary I thought didn't have the best games. Deshaun Elliott in particular I thought did not have a good game against the Browns at all. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, there were definitely some plays where it looked like Elliott was late in picking up the coverage and. Just didn't really see him much in the run game. I, now, I didn't get a chance to rewatch the game, but I just didn't feel like I saw his name as much on the field as usual. I don't think Chuck Clark had a bad game, but he, he's seemed to have been 
missing a bit the past couple weeks, at least with what we were used to seeing from this guy do. And yeah, I mean, part of it might be these guys are trying to overcompensate and play more of the field with the injuries that are that have taken place. But yeah, this is a great spot here with a quarterback who did get some game action for the first time in weeks late in the game last weekend, but hasn't started in in a bit for the Ravens to come in and have a little bit of an easier matchup to to try out some things. Yeah. I think there was there's probably one big play. Elliot had a big hit. I think it was the second or third quarter, which was pretty nice. But um there's one play that oh, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was that was a, huge, a, that was a heck a of a hit. hit. You nearly decapitated the guy. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, it was so many story we spent like an hour just talking about this Browns game and with so many storylines and up and down things, it was hard to get to all of them. But uh but yeah, that was a good play. But one play that, you know, kind of frustrated me was that you know, it, it made me think in the moment, like, we, we thought maybe at the beginning of the season when Earl Thomas was released, we were like, Elliot will be fine. Like, the players seemed to like him a whole lot, and, you know, they counted on him to step up. And as far as, like, a culture perspective, it's been good. But, you know, there is a talent difference there. And, and I think it was one play in the first quarter, Browns were rolling, like, a play-action play. And, and I think I think it was Higgins who ended up ca- catching the ball, but it was sort of like a deep post uh, route. And... Peters was kind of caught between that play and uh, more of a shallow crosser ahead of him. And he was kind of trying to play both. So he's in between and it ended up going over his head and then the Browns receiver ended up catching the ball. But, you know, I I think the announcers are kind of placing that on Peter uh, Peters. But when I looked at it, I'm like, well, Elliot, if he was just playing a little bit more deeper and over to that side of the field, like that throw is not going to happen or it's picked off. And, you know, it was one of those plays where I'm like, if we had Earl Thomas in there, like, would that have happened or would that have been a turnover? Like, I, it's it's hard to say, you know, now that we're 12 games, 13 games in the season. But, you know, you, you have to think sometimes of, of, you know, if if that's an area where Elliott could definitely elevate his game. I'm glad you brought that play up because I do rem- recall seeing that and I did want to talk about that when I saw it. But I didn't remember till you just brought it back up right there. Yeah, and I think there there were other plays like that in against Cleveland. You know, one thing we got to give credit to Cleveland for was they understood what the weaknesses are of this defensive group right now for the Ravens, and they knew how to attack it. And I think it, it puts some things on film that other teams can see and can exploit. So yeah, the Ravens are going to have to have to really study that and figure out the best way to plug up the holes. Yeah, and I think it's also an opportunity for them, again, to try to get healthy and get cohesion on that defensive line. It still doesn't seem 100% to what we were seeing at the beginning of the year. We're getting no interior pressure, really struggling to get to the quarterback in general. I'm hoping to see improvements there. And it looks like this might be one of those teams you can beat up on a little bit because their offensive line definitely has some injuries across it. I see that they did spend some draft capital on it, but those guys are hurt. So... I can imagine without being an expert on their offensive line, there might be some opportunities there to exploit. Yeah, it'll be nice to see Matt Judon in another game back from his stint on the COVID list. I thought he had an impact. I mean, he didn't scream out in the stat sheets. He did have a, a, a questionable roughing the passer call, in my opinion. It was another kind of big play that could have ended up turning the game. There were just so many plays like that during that Browns game. We didn't even talk about the Zebras. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, and I made a point of it, but yeah. Uh, anyways <laughs> i mean yeah, that, to talk about it but 
yeah, uh. that, that 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 first quarter was a little frustrating as far as penalties. But yeah, no, it was it was nice to see him back. It wasn't you know a huge game from Judon by any stretch of the imagination. He's had a lot bigger games in his career, but it's good to have somebody you know on the other side to generate a little bit of pressure uh, alongside with like Jihad Ward and some other players. So hoping that uh, this is another game for him to kind of get back to full strength and and kind of elevate his game a little bit more. Another kind of minor storyline here to, or something to watch out for, but it looked like Wink was playing a little bit more of Chris Board at the inside linebacker spot, especially against the Browns. Curious to see, you know, kind of how his workload uh, adapts this this week. Obviously, we know that Fort and, Fort and Queen and, and Harrison are all still options, are still available. It's not like any of those guys are hurt, but I think it's just Wink trying to figure out what combinations of players do we want to put in those positions. And it looks like Board has been playing pretty well, so... We'll see if he earns some more snaps this game, too. Yeah, I don't think we talked about that last game. Did Harrison see the field on Monday night? Yeah, he was on the... He had a couple of snaps. I don't know the exact number, the but he was definitely on the field. Gotcha. Harrison had 18 snaps. So, yeah, it was actually third least on the team. Even fewer snaps than Jimmy Smith. And we... I mean, he went out in, what, uh, end of the second quarter? So... Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those minor storylines too of like, you know, we've we've seen some flashes from this guy. You know, Harrison's kind of been more of that like, you know, consistently kind of getting better but not really flashy player. I, honestly, actually, that kind of reminds me about what we were talking about before the Browns game yesterday and that Jihad Ward was activated. We knew that Judon was coming back. And so one of the outside linebackers, one of them were going to have to be deactivated just because we had so many names at the position group. And so the guy that week was Ferguson. And I know, Peter, I remember talking to you about it because we were like, dang, it's really unfortunate that we benched him because, you know, he's been one of those players too where he got picked on a lot last year, but he's been steadily improving and, and being a little bit better of an edge setter. And it sometimes sucks that we just have so many guys at these position groups so that we have to bench these players even though they haven't really done anything wrong they're just you know kind of like the weakest link in the position group so i feel like harrison's kind of like the same thing yeah there's certainly a number crunch of uh linebackers who have a particular skill set in this defense and some weeks you're going to need one guy and another week another I, I think would think the uh idea with ward was since he had some success rushing the passer against Dallas. I thought was was that would transition against Cleveland, despite the fact that maybe having Ferguson's edge setting ability may have helped against uh, stuffing Chubb a little bit better than the Ravens did. But you're probably splitting hairs down there. <laughs> at some point, it would just be great to have some players who were just fantastic at everything. <laughs> right? That's the, that's the dream. It's just to have the you know the, dream. the Ravens defense of old, or you have like guys like Ray and Nada and 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 Reed and and Suggs and all these position groups, just all fantastic players and like everything they do. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see how close the Ravens can get to that again in the modern NFL, where it's just. Obviously, it was so uh, so tailored to offense and, and not just uh, you've got different types of, of players coming out of college on the defensive side. So they're making do with what they can right now. I think when you look at the offensive side of the ball, as good as Lamar was the past two weeks as far as getting this offense to be able to score points with consistency and picking up big chunk plays on the ground. I think it would be good to see a little bit more consistency from the pass game, just in case you know you, know, you get into the playoffs and you're going to need to throw the ball to to win. I mean, we kind of saw that against Kansas City 
earlier this year. Kansas City didn't really care that Lamar was going to run. They they let Lamar run, but when he went back to pass, there really wasn't any any lanes for him to to throw, and that that's kind of just was Kansas City's approach in that game was, you know, just take away the pass and and minimize Lamar's rushing ability. So I think with Jacksonville, like we said, they're really bad against the rush, fifth worst in the league as far as that, but they're really get bad against the pass as well. They're third worst in the league. So this is uh, could be an option where maybe in the first half of the game, try and get some targets to Miles Boykin, try and get some targets to Devin Duvernay, see if these guys can uh, can step up and be a little more not a little more, be consistent receiving threats in this in this offense, kind of diversify where defenses have to look when the Ravens drop back to pass going forward. Yeah, you can tell that they're worried about their secondary. They spent quite a bit of draft capital on it, but unfortunately, their number one pick, you know, ninth overall pick, C.J. Henderson, is out on the IR right now. So we're not able to see his contributions in a game coming up this week. I would also agree, and I wanted to kind of talk about this, Dez Bryant is coming off the COVID list, and I'm going to say it's probably not related directly to him being out that the Ravens have looked better as a passing attack the last two games, but I'm going to like to say that I much prefer seeing more snaps to the young guys, Boykin and Duvernay and Prochet and Sneed, like all those guys i much rather see play than Des Bryant at this point. I don't know how he fits in. I'm a little concerned about us trying to use him. Yeah, even the handful of snaps that Des has had in the past few games before all you know, before all the all the COVID uh, outbreak happened, he just you didn't see too much from him. You know, you you didn't see any. You didn't see the classic like Des jump balls or anything like that. You know, you had him on like a screen pass or or two. And he did pick up some yards. It wasn't like it was a negative contribution or anything, but it wasn't anything that really wowed you. <laughs> I feel like in this offense, man, it's just going to be an enigma of like you know we're just not going to have a receiver that's going to be taking over, taking over games like we want to. <laughs> I feel like it's week to week, man. Like even with a guy like Boykin who we picked on for a while. You know, I remember seeing a handful of plays against the Brown where, like, Boykin was open. Like, there were opportunities. And I know we said that in the first couple of games where, like, he's getting open and Lamar's just not looking. It's, it's good to see guys like him take the opportunities as they come. Like, he had a good catch during the Browns game. I think it was, I want to say it was only one. But that, I think it was, like, a 15, like, 20-yard uh, pass that he caught. But uh, he, he's just not getting those looks. You know, one play in particular, I think it was that deep pass to Sneed where Lamar just overthrew him. Uh, I think it was like just on his fingertips and he couldn't jump up to get it. Boykin was open for like a 15-yard out on the left side. Like could have picked up the first like and would have continued to drive. I don't know why he didn't look that way. You know, maybe he's just trying to go for the kill shot to Sneed. But I feel like this offense basically is, is it's not necessarily looking for talent at the receiver position. It's just like looking for, uh, it's just like looking for the right plays, the right shots to take. Yeah, I think part of it is is still on Lamar and just his continued growth in learning how to read NFL defenses consistently and learning how to make some of the throws with more consistency, especially throws to the outside that uh, he's just isn't as comfortable with at this point in his career. I mean, and the guy's still young. He's like, what, 22, 23 years old? I forget exactly, but there's certainly room for improvement with him. And I think as he improves as a passer some of these other auxiliary pieces of the offense will 
should be able to improve with him. At least that's the hope, right? Definitely the hope. Unless we end up finding like a uh, Stefan Diggs type <laughs> next year that kind of just like brings everything together. Yeah, I haven't looked at the draft board and what's available, but would be nice. Yeah, some people were saying like Allen Robinson might be a good pickup. Um, there's a who's who's the other guy? Not Allen Robinson. Um, uh, he's on the Bears. A very good receiver for the for the Jags actually for a while. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm very <laughs> familiar with him. It's just. Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay was the other guy that some people have been like the Ravens might want to, you know, oh, he could Kenny be like a number G's one for the, for, the, for the Ravens next year. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. I mean, the Lions want to do a full rebuild, I think. I would love Kenny G on the Ravens. I just worry about his health, man. Guy, guy can't put together a full season. Yeah. I'll have to say it, guys. I'll be the first one to say it. I don't know if we're going to be able to attract a wide receiver to this offense. I, I don't think so. I know, I know <laughs> it's, a, it's a cliche to say. But, like, if we say to you, like, hey, hi, welcome, you're going to get 60 to 70 really great targets. Make the best out of them, you know? Like, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's basic. It. That's basically yeah. what we're going to... I mean, maybe maybe 80 or 90, but they're not going to get the volume they want. So, yeah. yeah. Well, if you give them a good enough contract. I, I was... I heard recently, I I wasn't aware of it at the time, when, apparently when Allen Robinson was on the free agent market, the Packers made an, a pretty aggressive offer for him, but it wasn't as much money as the Bears threw at him. And I thought of that. I was just like, man, what are the NFL... That just hurts for us NFL fans. Can you imagine Devontae Adams and Allen Robinson in the same offense? That would... <laughs> man. With Aaron Rodgers this year. But that, but I digress. That's that's off topic. But yeah, no, I, I think it, it is what we all know. We've seen that Marquise Brown uh, has had some frustrations in his role in this offense. Not really sure what Mark Andrews' thoughts are. Um, he's clearly one of the best tight ends in the league right now and could maybe be putting up bigger numbers than what he is currently in an offense led by, say, uh, uh, Justin Herbert or a uh, Deshaun Watson. Players who are right now are throwing the, the ball more frequently than Lamar is. But yeah, I think that it's really going to be on the on the Ravens uh, coaches to really figure out how to how to develop the wide receiver position and get Lamar in in sync with those guys. Another thing we weren't able to discuss last episode because again it was just a lot going on, but I think it's critical we pay attention to going into this game again is our offensive line. We saw Tyree Phillips looked miserable, uh, got benched. He looked horrible in his performance as right tackle. We saw DJ Fluker come in and he was like a cold glass of water in the desert. <laughs> like was no longer seeing those issues. And I, I feel like at this point you got to give up on the kid, like for this season, at least sure. If an injury happens, bring him in. But for now, like powers has solidified himself as a solid right guard. Can't mess with that. And Phillips is just not the one. Maybe he still has a lingering injury issue. I don't know. I could totally see that being the case, but he's not helping the team at the moment. No, Olivier Vernon just had his number. <laughs> There's some awful, awful pass blocks from him in the first quarter. And I think the, the Ravens ended up giving four sacks, I think, in the whole game. Definitely more than you want to you know, have Lamar take. Yeah, that's been a, an issue for the Ravens all season. Uh Ravens have given up 31 sacks at a quarterback position this year, 28 to Lamar. So 
So that's 12 starts for Lamar. That's averaging more than, than two sacks per game. That's really, really not the trajectory that you want. I will say that, though, again, we're talking about how the Ravens can use this matchup with the Jaguars uh, to find ways to improve some of these areas that they're struggling in right now. The Jags is a great option here to to try and see if, if a guy like Phillips can can get some positive game action and and work on some things in a real game environment because you know we're, we're as Ravens fan we've complained about uh, the lack of pass rush for the Ravens uh, who have 28 sacks on the season the Jaguars have only 16 uh, which <sighs> is I I'm I'm not sure what the rest of the league numbers are but that has to be bottom bottom three if not worst in the league and that's just not getting it done they don't they have uh dewan smoot i believe at defensive end with four and a half and then after that only one player with with more than one and a half sacks so (laughs) certainly a a team that uh the ravens if the ravens can't keep lamar upright against jacksonville there's some issues here (laughs) yeah clavon chase on uh their 20th overall pick only has a sack on the year, and Devon Hamilton, uh, the 73rd overall pick in the third round, also only has one sack, and they've played most of the games, so not great. Wow. Yeah, all right, well, then I, I go back on that. Maybe we put Phillips in for another game and see, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> I mean, you know, if Fluker's had some issues with, like, back spasms and, and things like that, you know, I don't know if there's been any other injuries to have, but... Uh, you know, if he goes down and then Phillips continues to play, you know, poorly, uh, you know, that's not a position you want to be in. So, yeah, maybe not be a bad idea to to put Phillips out there and, and see if he can improve this week. Otherwise, like, I feel like from the rest of the position group, I think things are gelling. McCary seems to be doing pretty well at center. I like what I'm seeing out of Powers. Again, you know, we mentioned his run blocking has been pretty good. His pass blocking has been okay and improving. Yeah, it's, it's really just that right tackle spot where you could really use somebody to just run away with the job. Yeah, and you know what? No one's talking about it, but this is a Correa revenge game. So he could come out guns a-blazing against this line. Oh, he already had one. That was that was the playoff game last year when he was in Tennessee. That was that was his revenge game. Uh, now, if revenge, you're going to say it's a revenge game, it's the Nagakwe <laughs> revenge game because this would be the first game. I, did the Vikings play the Jags this year? Yeah, they did. The first couple weeks? Oh, it gets, it gets double revenge. Damn. Okay. Oh, actually, no, no, no. They just played them. I'm sorry. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, so he happened. hasn't he okay. hasn't played the Jags yeah. yet. Aha. Revenge game. Back on revenge the game. Yeah. <laughs> Finally going to unlock Nagakwe. I don't think it's really a revenge for Calais Campbell, but revenge game. <laughs> Would be nice to see for sure. I just want to say uh, one thing on the running game. Um, what it just think you guys options or opinion on this again we're talking about how with how bad the or much the jaguars are struggling this is a chance to get some players right should the ravens try and and feed ingram the ball in this game or just continue to to give edwards and dobbins carries oh man is that going to go on a diatribe right now no i mean look this is a beautiful game for ingram to get loads of touches i think he might be a sneaky play in DFS because, like I said, if they're up by a lot, things are looking good. Give him the dirty work, you know, grind out that game. Ingram time. What Chris was saying, 
when uh right before we started mind-blowing the karate chop moves was houston week two what a year it's been for ingram yeah that was one of those plays that reminded you of 2019 ingram and everybody's like oh yeah it was just the same thing nope it's actually this year it's been a uh, this man this whole co- <laughs> this whole season this whole covid situation man it's just like everything times time flies you know it's just uh it's, it's amazing how fast this year's gone all right i will go first as we go into score predictions and bowl predictions i've been going pretty crazy with my bowl predictions the past three if we can review i said against the steelers luke wilson would get a touchdown catch against the cowboys i said luke wilson would get two touchdown catches and then i said that chubb and hunt would both com- would combine to be held to less than 100 scrimmage yards in the game against cleveland yikes that definitely did not happen but luckily the ravens still prevailed i'm gonna double down on bowl predictions we're gonna see what i'm gonna call a touchdown full house by the Ravens offense, which means we're going to get a touchdown on Sunday by Lamar Jackson, JK Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Marquise Brown, and Mark Andrews. <laughs> oh, all right. Three running <laughs> full houses and three running backs, two receivers. Yep. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a dominance asserted statement. I love it. It's not even going <laughs> to fit in one line. Uh, in line with that, I'm, I hope that that this. I'm not jinxing the Ravens. I'm going to say 48 to six. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> hey, look. There's there's one of two ways that this can happen. So, when the Ravens come off a big win, we've seen it happen. Like like we like we discussed against Miami in 2016. Ravens had a huge win. They had a so-so performance against the Patriots and ultimately lost that game in 2016. But if you think back to the game that I think is, is more close to what happened the other night, uh, Seattle in 2003, the Ravens won that one 44 to 41. The next week, they beat San Francisco something like 44 to 16. It was definitely 44 points. I remember it being back-to-back weeks of 44 points. So it's not unheard of for the Ravens to do this. Just just keep the, keep the offensive engine rolling. Oh, yeah. I definitely could see them pulling ahead to a huge lead. The real question is, like, will they truly generate that kind of points uncontested okay so yeah uh november 30th 2003 after the ravens won 44 to 41 against seattle they won 44 to 6 against san francisco who had a decent offense back there with jeff garcia and garrison hurst and uh i forget if to was still there at that point but like they weren't they weren't a slouch like they were at least a league average offensive team that year i hope you're right man i love i love it all that's great i'll go ahead with mine I picked it last night. I'm going to say it's a revenge game for Ngakwe and Campbell. They each get two sacks. So four sacks total or more from that combo. My score prediction, this team's not going to do much against us, but I think they'll do a little bit more than Peter said. I'll give them a touchdown. I'll give them one big play. That's it. 38-7. I mean, I gave him a touchdown too. It's a garbage time. Oh, I thought uh, you said six. Yeah, it's they a garbage. A field goal? It's a garbage... <laughs> It's a garbage time 70-yard touchdown to LaVisca Chenault to appease you, but then they go for two for the heck of it and fail. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I misunderstood your, your six-point line. <laughs> I mean, that's totally fine. Also, like, I don't have any LaVisca Chenault shares anymore. Like, I don't think I have him on any teams that are relevant, but I could be incorrect. 
Anyways, LaVisca Chenault is not the guy I'm putting in in my fantasy playoffs. Are you kidding me? Like, if 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 you're in your fantasy playoffs and you're like, LaVisca Chenault, put him in. That's the best option I got. Unless you're in a super deep league, that's insane. <laughs> How did you get this far? <laughs> Who died on the field in glory? <laughs> oh, man, that's fair. All right. Uh, okay, I like those predictions. How about this? I'm going to say Tyler Huntley sees the field. Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention. He's our new backup quarterback. Condition. Hold on, hold on. We need, we need condition here. We need condition here. Why is Huntley seeing the field? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, either Lamar has to go to the bathroom again, or uh, we just score the, the full house of touchdowns, and, you know, he just sees some garbage time fourth quarter action. Right. There we go. There we go. <laughs> there, is a, there is a really uh, harrowing situation where Huntley would see the field. We don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm going to say Huntley sees the field because we're up so far in the in the fourth quarter. I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say that. And uh, Alec, I like your score prediction. I'm just going to I'll change it a little bit. Uh, the, the Jags have been playing some close games. Uh, I'm going to say they score more than seven. I'm going to say 38-17. That's totally valid, particularly with our defensive woes. So I totally understand your position. I, I kind of like Peter's thought though, right? Like going off his whole two point conversion piece. I could see them being risky because they know they have to to keep up, and it backfires on them because they're not good enough to do that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know we did say that Jacksonville has played some some tough games recently, uh, which they have, but they couldn't put up more than 10 points on Tennessee's defense. Again, not saying that necessarily means that they're going to come in and struggle that much against Baltimore, but Tennessee's defense has been terrible. <laughs> Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Ravens Recap. We hope you enjoyed it. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Ravens underscore Recap, where we're likely to be during the games and throughout the week, tweeting out good content and just being involved in the conversation. You can also email us, feedback at ravensrecap.com. And we'll be back next week, hopefully after a huge Ravens victory, to proceed to 9-5. and five. Ah, Let's hope for it, guys. See you then.